ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to These Go to 11. Once again, I'm Nathan Bell. Joining me, as always, Zach Bartles. Zach, dude, I feel like it's been so long. I almost forgot the sound of your voice until I dialed you in, man. Well, that's bad news for you. I'm sorry to hear that. <laughs> How have things been going with you? Oh, well, I'll tell you what. Negative 30 windshield tomorrow. They have canceled Michigan. So we are all just... I. I we, we used to get firewood from my parents, and then they got their own, like, fire pit, started keeping it when they chopped down trees. I literally just went to the hardware store and bought seven of those, like, overpriced bundles of wood. <laughs> just to keep yeah. you, uh, just to keep the home fires burning, huh? Yeah, we are hoping to just keep them going all day long tomorrow, probably all, you know, evening tonight. Yeah, it's, yeah I, I'd rather like when this happens occasionally. We had no winter, and now we have, like super winter uh, here late in the game and my son will have his third consecutive snow day tomorrow nice um, what's cool is i was going to have to take him out of school uh because he's going to uh help me interview uh bestseller new york times bestseller huge sensation uh gordon corman my favorite author Oh, uh, tomorrow cool. for the Clinch podcast and i was like feeling weird about taking him out of school for that so now i don't have to he'll be here with me so Nice. Works out. That's pretty dope, man. And I understand you guys are uh, bracing for the same stuff over there. Yeah, we. Uh, so I got a nice, happy text on my phone earlier this morning saying that school was going to shut down three hours early, and uh, so I went in for a few hours and then came home, and now we're we're just getting ready for. Uh, we've already had some of the snow hit, but the uh, the problem isn't the snow coming down. The problem is uh, once. You know, as it goes throughout the night, we're not going to get negative. Would you say negative thirty-eight? Negative thirty is going to be the wind chill. Negative seven is is the low tonight. Okay, so we're, zero is the high tomorrow. <laughs> we're going to be about we we're going to be about negative seven with the wind chill here. So uh, not quite as bad, but uh, still uh, still pretty chilly there. Yeah, yeah. Well, keep warm, man. You you got no school tomorrow. Uh, they haven't called it yet, but I, I don't think we're going to, I mean, the fact is even without the snow and ice and all that stuff, when temperatures get that cold, you have kids walk into the bus and all that stuff. They just, they just end up calling it. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, well, I've been, uh, I've been spending a lot of time here in my bedroom this afternoon playing uh, load runner on my Apple two C that's fun. <laughs> nice. Nice. And uh, you know, just trying to trying to keep from getting that uh, Jack Nicholson cabin fever, where you uh, murder your family. Because <laughs> the, uh, cold, so. Here's Jenny. <laughs> oh man, that's great. Um, yeah, we better get into this topic. I've got so many. I've got so many to talk about. I keep jotting them down, and I'm like, I'm the. I I, I filled the page, and I flipped it over, and I filled it again. And I'm like, ah, where do I jot more? <laughs> Where do I go from here? I should have my palm. That's my problem. I know, right? Dude, man, you're slacking off. We've we've been out of it for so long. So I was looking at the last time we recorded, January 3rd. That's just sad, dude. Yeah, it was I like, oh, man, it was it, horrible. Um, you know, and I, and I had texted you. You, you texted me um, the first week, and you were like, hey – my wife's got her book release, which we still want to have her on um, the podcast to talk about her book. And the next week, I was like, we had a spontaneous school closing, um, but it was like it wasn't school was closing; it was all the aftercare stuff. And I'm in charge of aftercare, so I had to make sure that everybody, um, you know, settled in and got where they needed to go and all that stuff. So I wasn't even sure what time I was going to be home that night. And then the following week, I was like, yeah, I, I'm not going to be able to make it. And you're like, dude, are we still even doing this podcast anymore? I'm like, yeah, it's just, it's busy. You know, let's see if we can get Dutcher on. And I think Dutcher you're- is completely <laughs> inaccessible. This guy, this friggin' guy, I don't think he likes me. I think that's it. <laughs> Uh, you're like, well, uh, I think I can do something on uh, Thursday. And I'd be like, all right, I'll hit you up Thursday. And then Thursday's like, oh, you're going to wait for me. He's just like, oh, I'm sorry to do this to the podcast, but I can't make it. And I'm like, all right, what other? How about Monday? All right, let's talk Monday. Oh, oh, oh so sorry again. In fact, let, let me read you the last one. 
you said, uh, hold on, where's, where's this guy? Greg. I have him under the, the Reverend James King, actually, on my phone. <laughs> Oh, maybe I deleted it just out of, like, rage and disappointment. No, here it is. He was really concerned that I get online and start using phrases like uh, hunker down and, and snuggly blanket uh, when he heard about the weather coming our way. Um, I hate letting down the podcast, but I don't think today is going to work. Greg, the, the podcast doesn't have feelings, but I do. Then he wrote... Yeah, so it, it was, it, you know, it was just it was just a back and forth thing. And what's funny, Zach, you talked about trying to get a hold of Greg. Um, you know, it was the same thing when he and I were doing the podcast, uh, just the two of us at times where uh, it, we we would try to schedule one, and it was just one after the other. Both of us were just you know slightly more accessible at that point, so it wasn't a big deal. We were still able to hammer out one a week, but. Yeah, it, it is. It's difficult to nail him down um, and, and try to try to get things out of him. But you know what? It's all good. We love Greg, and uh, whatever time he can give us, we'll take. But as you said, Zach, we don't want to delay this topic because I know this one has been uh, burning on your heart and mind for a while now. See, normally I call you up or you call me up and we're like, hey, what are we talking about? I don't know. Why don't we talk about this? So we really don't have time to stew and fester over the topic. <laughs> but if we're like, what are we talking about? And then we don't talk for a month. <laughs> <laughs> so I know that you have a lot to say about this. And so I'm just going to, uh, I'm going to let you start us off. I'm going to go ahead and throw the topic out there. We're going to be talking about things that people ascribe to the Bible, but is not actually in there. And I, right. you've just got a list of them coming out. And the one that That's, I just kind of threw out at you was, oh, what? You mean like uh, God helps those who help themselves? Mm-hmm. I'll tell you what. Some of mine on my list, they aren't maybe – people may not think that they're in the Bible, but they use them as if they're Bible words and phrases. And then some of them people, if you push them on it, they'd say, oh, yeah, of course. That must be in the Bible somewhere. Yeah. Um, and, and you know that one was the one that that uh, really got me thinking on this topic years ago. I actually wrote quite a screed on this on my old old blog, which is now gone. Um, I was at a, a business meeting, a church business meeting at a former church that I was at, and it, it was a church where the the meetings got heated frequently. Okay, there'd be yelling, there'd be tears, there'd be red faces. It just for, you know anything, buying new hymnals, whatever the case. You know, people would get all worked up. And uh, we were talking about whether or not we could pass a budget without knowing where every penny was going to come from, without it being a balanced, you know, it matches our our giving estimates based on pledges or whatever. And a woman who'd been at that church for 50 years got up and, and very passionately says, well, doesn't the scriptures say God help those who help themselves? And I laughed out loud because I was uh, more immature then. Uh-huh. And and she looked out at me like, what? And I said, no, it doesn't. How do you not know that if you've been a Christian for decades? And, uh, you know, that it still irks me as much. I just am, am classier and, and more godly about my reactions. But uh, since there's no one in particular at the mic right now, we can actually openly laugh at and take apart these things. Yes. Um, I don't know if we want to go back and forth here or, or if you want to do like, uh, what you do at Christmas with your kid where like you're like, okay, you open four, then I'll open one because the kid's got a lot more gifts than you. Um, well, I'm just – I'm actually – I'm going to just kind of leave this to you and let you because uh, because you've said you, you've just – you've got like what? Like a couple pages of these things that you were we'll thinking of? We'll see how far we go. They get, they get a little iffy at the end. So okay. if we run out of time, we run out of time. All right. And um, I will so – I'll go ahead and I'll comment on, on yeah, some of the ones yeah, that you so, say. I'll, I'll toss them up. You you whack them down. It'll right. be like uh, I pull out the printer. You beat on it with an aluminum baseball bat. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> I stole something today. I guess we all did. All right. So I think it's not just to say aren't aren't people biblically illiterate harumph, but actually some of these things are actually damaging. That one, for example, is hugely damaging. Yes. I mean, theologically speaking, that is. 
that's Mormonism, but it's not Christianity. Yeah. Right? I mean, yeah. I, I have to do everything I can, and then God makes up the difference, is the opposite of the gospel. Yes. Yes. And, and the fact that people who call themselves Christians think it's in the Bible drives me insane. It means we are not preaching the gospel adequately. Like, people who think it's in the Bible should be calling their pastors going, hey, I don't understand. How can this be in the Bible when it's the exact opposite of everything you teach me every single week when you tell me that God helps those who recognize they can do nothing for themselves and fall down on their faces before the cross? Yeah. Yeah. You ever actually heard that one bandied about as if it were in the scriptures by a, a professing Christian or just by, like, people who think they're they're folksily quoting the Bible but are not believers? Uh, both. I, I have I have heard, you know, and, and like you said, uh, I mean, the, to this person's credit, uh, the, the, the one that I distinctly remember hearing it from was a younger, more immature Christian. And, and they had just more recently come to faith within the past, like, couple years or whatever. So, um, you know, I will but, – but, you know, definitely somebody who professed to be a believer. And it was kind of like, well, it was more of a correctional thing, you know, to a younger believer and, like, adjusting where they were. But, but I do hear that one all the time uh, by people who don't profess to be Christians, but yet they still – you know, don't doesn't the Bible say? You know, and they'll still uh, attribute it to the Bible. Um, so yeah, I I do hear that one very very frequently. Another one that I hear a lot. It's kind of I think from the same era, and I, I think these fall into two camps. There's the like old folksy sayings that are you know almost American um, adages, mm-hmm. and then there's the new like. Uh, newfangled cliches and buzzwords yeah which yeah which often people i think um assume are i don't even know if people assume they're in the bible but they assume they're biblical without really examining them too closely yeah. uh, but another of the old folksy ones would be cleanliness is next to godliness yeah <laughs> uh, which is i mean i i get where it comes from and i don't even particularly have much of a beef with it mm-hmm. other than um if you realize you're just being folksy, right? Right. <laughs> right. Well, and it's and it's used to describe physical cleanliness. You know, it's not it's not like it's even used to describe, you know, a holy, you know, God-centered clean, cleanliness, you know. It's it's often the mother with the little kid, "Oh, your hands are filthy," you know. Cleanliness is next to godliness. You know, so so that's where it usually comes out of. Yeah, and I mean, I think what's being taught is you know, if you if you keep order in your life um, and you know keep things clean and uh, you, you're not going to fall into bad habits and with bad people and and it, it can lead to kind of a Phariseeism, uh, but I highly doubt that you know just repeating that little phrase has ever actually led anyone down the Pharisee <laughs> uh, rabbit hole. Uh, it's it's not helpful. It, right. I just don't think it's all that damaging. I think it's kind of like a when I hear it, I, I feel a little warm fuzzy inside because you know it's like something you know our grandmas used to say. Right, right. And eh, whatever. It, it's one that I, if if I heard someone who we were considering to be a deacon say that and think they were quoting the scriptures, I would go. E, I need to dig a little deeper. Here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, because a- again, like the idea that, and, and if you start taking it in spiritual directions of like, I have to kind of keep myself clean in order right. to be presentable to God. Right. Again, we're going uh, opposite of the gospel because the whole, you know, the thing is, you, you've got to. You're, I mean, you're not. We're dealing with. Right, but are we dealing with sanctification when we say that? Like, sanctify yourselves. You know. Be clean. Mm-hmm. Uh, that it, it's it's the kind of thing that I could see like Matt Chandler preaching on uh-huh. and like twisting it just a tiny little bit and making it work. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> uh. yeah, in and of itself, it's probably. I don't. Should we give these things grades? Let's do it since we haven't gone through too many. First okay. one gets an F from me. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. This one gets a C minus. I, I was going to be a little more generous. I was going to say a B minus. Okay, I could see that. Just just because, like, like you were saying, you know, it's 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 grandma saying, you know, I, I really, I, I don't think I can even remember my mother saying it. 
um, nice. unless it was unless it was like a joking reference or if it was a reference to my grandmother saying it. So, yeah. Although, I mean, grandmas or not grandmas, I, I had a professor, he's with the Lord now, but his name was Bob Repay. He was a New Testament scholar, and he used to occasionally say, don't forget, apart from Christ, even the sweet little old lady next door is a vicious God-hater. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just to bring you to reality, folks. <laughs> so, I mean, maybe grandma had more nefarious things in mind, is what I'm saying. Uh, how about this one? Uh, I'm sure you know the actual origin. A fool and his money are soon parted. Oh. Doesn't the good book say that? Yeah. Mm. I'm trying to remember. I, I did look up that once because uh, my students actually asked me about that one in, in Bible class one year. And I did look it up, but I can't, I can't remember. It sounds like a proverb, right? Yeah, it does. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it, it, you're right. It sounds like something you would find in Proverbs. My favorite reference to that is a Calvin and Hobbes, um, where Hobbes gets Calvin so like worked up about what's on his mind. Uh-huh. Uh, he offers like a penny in his for his thoughts. He's like, I don't know, my, my thoughts are worth like a quarter. And finally, by the end, Calvin's like, fine, here, and he gives him the money. And Hobbes starts to say, "A fool and his money." Or Calvin lays into him. Uh, it's I believe, and, and don't don't quote me on quoting this because now I don't know why I'm doubting myself. I think that's a Ben Franklin. Oh, you um, might at least be right. Attributed to him. Yeah, which, you I mean, might that guy be right. said so many wise things, but right, a lot of them weren't very biblical. Right. I, I, I will say piggybacking off of that one, and I'm sure you're going to get to that one. But uh, money is the root of all evil. Mm, yeah, that's on my list. Yeah, but like, it, like that, that, is, that one is so close. Yeah. Right to to James chapter. Oh, no, no, that's First Timothy six. That's, right. Yeah. Money is, uh, the love of, of money, money is, is the root of all, of all evil. Yeah, kinds, kinds of, of evil. evil. Yeah. So there's two ways in which that oversimplifies, and then too broadly speaks, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think a fool and his money are soon parted. I give it an A. It's fine. Uh, it gets an A rating as being sort of a moral wisdom category thing, but mm-hmm. not unbiblical. Yeah, and and I would say too, like. Um, a, just in terms of, I don't know, I, I've heard that one much more frequently than I've heard, uh, you know, cleanliness is next to godliness, but I haven't heard someone say it in the context of thinking it's in scripture. You know, it's, again, it's kind of like that pithy little proverb and it's more like, where, where did that come from? You know, and they might be like, it sounds like it's from the Bible, but I don't think so. You know, so at least from, you know, my interactions with it, most people have second guessed on it coming from the Bible or not. The problem is, I think many of us, even myself, I mean, I've, I've been through, uh, you know, a decade of, of theological education. When it comes to Proverbs, it's so mm. hard to remember what's in there and what's not because it's not like this massive flow of an argument. Yes. You can kind of place everything. Like with a Pauline epistle, right. it's just like bang, 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 right. bang. Yes. So some of them, we, we, they're famous and some of them are obscure. It's hard to say sometimes uh, yeah. right off your top of your head. Um, you know, if we had had a little more time to plan this, you know, because two weeks wasn't nearly enough time. And by that uh, you mean a month. Yeah. <laughs> By that I mean a month. Um, what we should have done was we should have like gathered together actual proverbs and verses and had read them out and seen if people could have told the difference between them. Oh, that would have been good. Oh well, <laughs> I'm sure people will appreciate just hearing our voices back on back on air. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Well, they they don't want to be revealed to not know their Bibles anyway. So. There you go. Uh, I, I give I give money as the root of all evil a D because A, it's like a satanic twist of did God not really say, you know, that kind of thing. Uh-huh. Um, and it's just, it's not in keeping with what Jesus taught about, about money. Right. Really? So you're only giving it a D? Oh, you're giving it less. I oh. mean, because in it is, like, if a pastor mentions that in a sermon, I'm not like, that guy's a heretic. He's mm-hmm. just, you know, like, very briefly, you know, trying to encapsulate the idea. And, and we all know what he means. Um, but it, it could be, I hear people say it all the time, and it, it, really, it really misses the point of 
the role and there's a theology of money in the in the scriptures, especially right. in the gospels. Well, and that, yeah, go ahead. Go, go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> no, you go ahead. No, you go ahead. We're so polite to each other. When we haven't spoken in a while. Um, like. Jesus even said to use worldly mammon, you know, to build the kingdom. Yeah. Uh, and, and again and again, we see women funding Jesus' ministry. Paul yeah. calling people to set aside money. It's it's if used, it's like anything. It's like sex. It's like it's like alcohol. Uh, it's like um, your good works in general. If it's used for the glory of God, it's an awesome, awesome thing. Right. Uh, even if you have a lot of it, you know. I mean, if Lydia hadn't been rich. There wouldn't have been as much ministry done in, yeah. in that part of the world. If you know, a lot of these uh, benefactors' uh, situations in the New Testament, it, it, there, there's no hint of well, we're using this, but we're a little dirty for doing it because it's inherently wicked. Yeah, it's yeah. not inherently wicked. Yeah, yeah. No, see, the only reason I would give it an F is because I think at one time, you're right, it was kind of like a shorthand that people would use and say And at one time. But I run into so many people who th- that's actually become their theology, you know, that yeah. money is the root of all evil. And it's like, well, that's that's how my pastor always taught us, you know, and that's what was always like there was no, you know. It, it, it's. I think at some point it ceased to become a shorthand and an understanding of what the verse was, and it has moved into when most people are saying that it's moved into that realm of oh yeah, money is evil, you know. Um, and so that that's the only reason why I would give it an F is because I think it has moved beyond that shorthand into a an actual theological belief system for people. Yeah. All right. Uh, next one. Be in the world, not of it. Mm. Is that in the scriptures? Uh, yeah, uh, no, but I know. I, I think I know the verses that they're pulling from in order to come up with that. Okay. Do you want me to say them? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think they're talking about you know being a light in the world, being salt um in the world you know um salt loses you know so i think they're pulling from those different ones where you know you're to you know uh be a distinction um amongst the people of the world mm-hmm. uh and yeah well i think it's a a, pro- a protective uh, on both sides mm-hmm. um i mean i knew a guy in in college who used to always say oh yeah he's really good at being not of it yeah, <laughs> without even quoting the thing, that's what we would say. Because uh, he was he was very much uh, you know weird, and he wasn't part, but he wasn't really in it. You know, he wasn't really yeah. engaging in any level. And the church can tend to do that, you know, to yeah. to wall ourselves off. Yeah, I, I don't think it's a bad. Uh, I don't think it's a bad little phrase, little buzzword at all, little buzz phrase. Mm-hmm. Um, I just don't. I, I don't know. I never want to hear people quoting not scripture as scripture, and I've yeah. heard that so many times. I've heard I've heard pastors say that in sermons. Yeah, yeah. It's like and I'll tell you one thing I do to protect against this. Mm-hmm. I will always. I don't give the whole reference every time. I usually will say book. <laughs> excuse me, book and chapter. Uh, it's like oh, yeah. it says in First Corinthians three, and then and then the little and I will always copy and paste it into my sermon notes. From Bible works, yeah. So that I know I'm not like like shortcutting this or misremembering it or right. remembering something that's not there. And and if everyone did that, we would never wind up with this little like just like the scripture tells us to be in the world and not of it. Um, and when someone says that, maybe they're saying in principle this is what the scriptures mean. But show your work then, you know, do, yeah. do a little due diligence here. If this is what your pa- your your uh, sermon's about, if this is your passage. Uh, show me how how it's telling us that. You know? Yes, and I, I give that one a, a B plus. I don't think it's I don't think it's bad. But again, I think if if we know buzzwords better than we know the actual Bible, that is a pretty sad critique on the state of Christianity today. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. I mean, I I would give it a B, um, and. It, for the same reason that you're saying, just because it's not, there's nothing wrong with it, there's nothing bad with it. To me, I kind of see the shorthand with that one more easily accessible, and I think it, I think it's hard to to build a poor 
theology and doctrine well, I mean, you can build a poor theology and doctrine around any statement, even biblical statements. People have done right. it. Uh, but you know what I mean? Like, to me, like, I feel like this is a solid saying. Um, and so if somebody's saying, be in the world, not of the world, um, I, ha- I have an idea of what they're saying and what they're trying to get through. Um, so, right. Yeah. You know, and as a confessional uh, a Christian, there are all sorts of sayings that I hold to that aren't. Exactly, yeah. Christ, uh, quotes from Scripture, but they are, I believe, faithful summaries. And so, yeah, we don't need to, to be scared of using words that aren't from the Bible. Although, I mean, when you read like Spurgeon or you read uh, Whitfield or some of these guys, what they tended to do was take uh, biblical language and imbue it with new meaning, mm-hmm. and that makes me a little nervous sometimes too. Yeah, you know, like like yeah. when they'll they'll speak of you know the the sword of the trowel or you know the um, Boaz's sandal or whatever, and, and and they don't mean to reference the scripture exactly. They're mm-hmm. using it in this kind of metaphorical or or uh, colloquial way, mm-hmm. and, and everyone knew what it was shorthand for. Yeah, it, it almost is better, I think, to come up with something new and and leave the biblical imagery and language alone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, it's interesting that you you say that because. Uh, to me, like there's, I think you, I think to an extent, um, if you're being faithful um, to to the to the text of what's being said, you can do that. You know, like because I was I was having a discussion with a friend of mine about biblical translations and things like that, and he's like, "Oh, we should just, you know, if you translate things word for word, it'll be fine and no problem." Like, well, I mean, I. I've studied a little bit about, you know, translations when I was in college. I did a little bit of studying about that. And, you know, there was there are certain things that I feel like if you change – not changing the meaning of the text, but if you change – so, for instance, I remember when I, when we were studying this particular section and they were, they were referring to China and the section in the Bible where it talks about Farid, uh, Herod being like a fox – well, in America, we understand the creature fox to be, you know, a sly, cunning animal. Over in China, it has a different connotation and meaning. And so the meaning is missed if you translate it there like that, you know. And so I think you start getting into those questions of, you know, the meaning and the translation. And to me, I think if you're being faithful to the context and, and what's in the text, you can throw out some of those things and still be safe. Right. I think we're talking about two different things. Um, okay. I'm talking about when uh, you don't – I mean all the guys that did this generally used the King James Version so there wasn't a translational component. Uh-huh. They would say like a shibboleth is – you know, it becomes like a, a Bible. Oh, word, I, get, I get what you're saying. Which, so you're almost taking that biblical word, sort of half unloading it of its biblical baggage in order to have room to put in this new thing. Um, and so you now, now the phrases we're using are undi- undeniably scriptural, but the meaning isn't. Yeah, Whereas yeah, yeah, yeah. So a lot of the stuff we're talking about here, the the phrase isn't, but the meaning is. Yeah. So it's it, you know either way, I, I don't want to condemn anyone either way, but but they both have their issues. Yeah. One of them allows someone to stay, you know, say, well, I, I just simply use the Bible. Well, yeah, but you know. I don't want to pick on the Mormons again, right. uh, but, but I had some visit recently, and so I'm, they're on my mind. Right. But you know, they'll use the same language as we do, straight from the scriptures, but mean very different things. Yeah. I would much rather have someone, you know, say, "All right, I, I'll talk to you and, and explain what I mean, and use new language." You know, mm-hmm. and and maybe I have we have our own buzz phrases and buzzwords. I'll explain. What what the intent is behind them? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I see. I see what you're saying. I get that. At the same time, I just to touch on that, I'd, I'd rather just explain what a fox was there in a in a footnote. Uh, what what the implication was? You, you start going too far down that road. You have people. What was it? Was one of these tribes uh, untouched tribes? They they did a translation in which instead of a, the lamb of God, it was the guinea pig of God. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> you're, you're just giving fodder to the KJV only people at that point. It's <laughs> just like, here, get us with this. <laughs> Here's uh, one I hear a lot, man. Uh-huh. Uh, 
God won't give me more than I can handle. Pastor, I know it says in the Bible that God won't give me more than I can handle, but I feel like I, I have more here than I can shoulder myself. You hear that a lot? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> I hear that on a daily basis. <laughs> now, I think that one also comes from just a, a misremembering of a, a passage that yeah. actually is in the scriptures. What do you think? Yeah, I, um, if it's the one I'm thinking of, isn't there one in James that speaks about something? It doesn't speak about that, um, but there's something kind of similar that really doesn't mean what the context of that statement means. Um I'm thinking of First Corinthians ten. Okay. There's no no temptation has. Uh, oh, I gotta try and remember it in the ESV. I, I think the way I memorize it: No temptation has befallen you, but that is common to man. God is faithful; will not suffer you to be tempted above your ability or, or, or like above what you can handle. But will we, but will provide a way of escape. Escape. Yeah. You'll be able to bear it up. So the idea that with the temptation, yeah. and even then, there's an out. Because you can't just sit there and shoulder it. That'd be foolish. Right. Um, but God will give you the ability to bear it by giving you a escape hatch. And yeah. I think do – you, do you feel like that also is probably where we, we've come up with this idea? God is not going to let me have more than I can handle. But instead of temptation now, talking about kind of trials and suffering and right. uh, the difficulty of life in general – yeah. Yeah, I mean I do. I think that's I think that's what that's been born out of to be honest with you. Um I that that statement kind of um you know frustrates me a, a little bit just in the context of you know again in the context of grace and mercy because you know God God allowed us to be born into circumstances and situations that we couldn't handle you know on our own like, Adam's you know, sin, for yeah example. exactly you know there, you know so there I think there's plenty in life you know and so when you start talking about and thinking about things that we can't handle well, what is that what does that actually mean what does that look like I mean I think life is full of things that we can't handle. Um, yet God's graces are new every day and his mercies are new every day. And so, you know, we, we rely on that, um, you know, for those things that we can't handle. Um, yeah. And I think there's, so that's sort of a, a thread, right? Through some of these, a lot of these. Yeah. And I, I it's, it's almost like a Pelagian idea mm-hmm. behind them that, that you can, Grab your bootstraps and pull up, right? Yep. Clean yourself up because that's next to godliness. Yep. Help yourself because then God will help you. Yep. Uh, and uh, make sure that you, uh, in this case, recognize that God won't give. God hasn't given you more than you can handle. You can do it. You can handle it. Right. No need to fall down at the mercy of God. Yeah. And that's that's messed up. Yeah. Here, here's another one that that falls in that same. Um, vain kind of mm-hmm. uh which is to thine own self be true oh yes yes now, which is you know who that is yes <laughs> good old uh, exactly uh the scriptures <laughs> right right although although he was instrumental in uh king jimmy <laughs> yeah yeah there there's some certainly some some shakespearean influence in there yeah uh, although i don't know i've i've heard well you, well, you know that uh, there's that fun thing where, like, the the year he was born or the year he died or something, and you and you and you look at that uh, in the Book of Psalms, and it says shake, and then you do this other thing, and it says spear. I don't remember how it goes. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. Uh, there's there's a, a conspiracy theory, but I, I've heard uh, more recently people wanting to walk back the idea that Shakespeare had any real influence um, on on the scriptures uh, because of the timing. I don't know, uh, but the King James definitely sounds very Shakespearean, and I think that's why it's easy to attribute famous snippets of Shakespeare to the King James Bible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and again, like you were talking about, there are these threads and elements of of us in there, you know. And to an ex, you know, the I, I forget who said it, but um, I, I heard years ago. A quote that you know, if you can see kind of the fingerprints of man in a religion, then you know it must be true. But like when you look at Christianity, you don't see those fingerprints of man. I mean, God is constantly telling us to deny ourselves, 
to imitate him. He's constantly pouring all glory and honor back on himself, which is where it should be. But, you know, if you ever have these sayings that that turn it back to us, I, you can guarantee that, you know, they're, they're probably not scriptural <laughs> unless unless it's in there condemning them. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, those I, I feel like those are just um, horrible statements, uh, you know, in the. The first one particular I, I hear get thrown around more doctrinally and it frustrates me and scares me a lot too because you know there's a lot of this stuff that's getting poured out and taught to students and it's like you know we we I think when we do that sometimes we we lose an element of you know yeah I, we're we're just we're broken you know the the earth is broken the universe is broken because of sin and and so really there there isn't anything really that we can handle in our own might in our own power in our own strength we need to daily rely on god and his grace to to move forward you know um but th- i mean that's just kind of my thought and it's because i've seen so many people like beat themselves up over that concept of god won't give me anything more than i can handle so i feel guilty that i feel like i can't handle this problem and it's like right well, God's disappointed in me now. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, yeah, the, I give that yeah. one a F minus. Yeah, <laughs> because of how annoying and, and and insipid and omnipresent it is. Yes, <laughs> yeah. To thine own self be true. I think is like it, I don't know too many people. I can't think of anyone um, off the top of my head who has really thought that to be scriptural i now they they throw it around like it's scripture you know and it's like you know that's not in the bible right it's like oh yeah no i know it's not but it's it's still cool and it's like well no it's kind of stupid actually when you think about it but you know at least you're not attributing it to god's word so I, I, i've heard a couple of people do it okay um you know not learned people by any yeah, stretch yeah. <laughs> but, i mean because even if you weren't uh uh, trained in any way with a religious instruction, if you'd had high school English, you should know where it comes from, yes. real, which would which would uh, cut off uh, at the pass any notion that it came from the scriptures, but yeah. yeah. H- how about one that's a little bit closer to home? To err is human, to forgive divine. Mm. Yeah, definitely uh, hear that one a lot, and, and that one, like you said, gets more closely associated with scripture i think um where people are kind of like oh really it's it's not in there um let me hear your thoughts on that one zach first i'm curious well i mean it comes from alexander pope uh of whom i am not a big fan Mm -hmm. um i'm interested in but but not a big fan of you know the the philosophy we find running through his work uh and it it's probably the most benign thing you could pull from his works uh-huh. as a satirist and and you know uh, someone who who had a lot to say that was was pretty out there. Mm-hmm. Um, the idea this isn't even talking about God's divine forgiveness of us, you know, a divine act, right? Grace. It's just saying you can choose to be ordinary like everyone, or you can choose to to you know kind of tap into the the God spark inside of you, right? And, mm-hmm. and it's everyone messes up, but you really, if you choose to forgive, you're you're choosing to to show the same sort of grace. I mean, it, it, to me, it, it seems it seems pretty benign. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's just another one that it, it, it irks me to hear people. I I, I must have heard this twenty times. Um, somebody try to uh, attribute this to the Bible. Mm. Yeah, gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah, and like you said, I think I think the real problem and issue is is when it comes to attributing these things to the Bible. Like, I would almost, um, you know, view this kind of in light of, you know, in light of what Paul Paul does under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, pulling from other works. You know, in Him we live and move and have our being. Like, but obviously Paul's doing this under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. But I think if you're relating it to a truth about God's divine nature of forgiveness and you're relating that to a biblical text, I don't necessarily think there's anything wrong with with that statement in and of itself. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I could think of, like, James Boyce pulling that out and saying, we all know that well-known phrase, uh, and, and then, you know, kind of using that to weave a tapestry of preaching the gospel. Yeah. It, it, as long as you're, as long as you're clear about where it comes from. Yeah. Here's, I got one more, uh, folksy one, and then I want to move into a speed round of, uh, schmaltzy, uh, modern buzz phrases. Okay. All right. Um, and this one is, if you tell me you haven't heard someone attribute this to the Bible, I'm going to call you a liar, man. <laughs> Love the sinner. Oh, hate the sin. yes. Yes. I have heard that one. Yep. As they say, speak to that, Nathan. Yeah, you know, I mean, again, I think I think the context of what people are saying isn't bad. I think the context of attributing it to Scripture is horrible um, because I think you should be using Scripture to support that statement because that statement, I don't think, can stand on its own because particularly in today's context in society, I think we've twisted that word love in that context to accept, you know, mm-hmm. and it's not just a, I love you because you are an image bearer of God. I love you because, you know, of, I realize the sin in my life and the forgiveness that Christ has shown me. And so I want to show you that love. So that will lead you to repentance It's say, Oh, this is your lifestyle. This is the way you live. Uh, all right. That's cool. I'm down with that. Yeah. You know. Well, and it becomes impossible, really, to to distinguish the two things, to to extract the one from the other. Um, and this is I always reference this old book called uh, The New Tolerance from the mid '90s that Josh McDowell wrote mm-hmm. uh, because it it basically perfectly predicted where we are right now in in a way that makes me think he has a flux capacitor somewhere. Um, <laughs> he said that uh, tolerance has tolerate has now come to mean. Uh, embrace everything about someone and endorse it because we have this under undergirding this this worldview foundation that says who I am equals what I do. Yeah. So if you say anything uh, that I do is evil, you're saying who I am is evil or who I am is worthless. And I mean that's absolutely you know when when you hear the the melting of the snowflakes uh, around us uh, that's that's the objection right. how dare you say that about me well no no I'm just I'm I'm disagreeing with what you're doing no yes. no, no 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 that's who I am that's my identity uh, how do I know that's my identity because I identify as it so right you know, so it, it becomes difficult but I also have an issue with it on the other end okay to hate the sin mm-hmm. I mean is that I th- I feel like I don't know where in scripture I'm commanded to hate someone else's sin. Mm. I should, I mean, I should hate the effects of it. I should mm-hmm. hate that it's uh, blinding them. I should hate, I should hate, I should hate sin in general. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't know if I know very many Christians who are holy enough and mature enough to sit there and actively say, all right, I'm hating that guy's sin mm-hmm. without letting it, you know, turn them into feeling self-righteous and and bleed over into despising that person um i I don't know i i feel like we'd be better off just canning that one and sticking with the bible myself yeah i i I could definitely see that i don't i don't think i have as much um issue with it in and of the fact that i think again i think that term love has has transformed into accept you know like i i'm down with you know loving loving people, you know, I mean, the Bible clearly tells us that we're not to hate people, we're not to hate our neighbor, we are to love them, um, you know, and Christ clearly spells out that everyone is our neighbor, um, you know, when when we are um, looking at scripture, you know, that that those around me, you know, and so I, um, I, I don't necessarily have as much problem with it other than the fact that, like I said, I think it's been twisted. Um, to mean something different than what I think it was initially intended to mean. So, but I can I can definitely see where you're coming from with it. So I, I have never heard anyone quote that meaning. We have to accept everything about people because you'd immediately uh, contradict yourself by saying and hate the sin, right? I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, but but I think again the problem is. More the more people that I, I come into contact with in terms of um, like like you said that like snowflake crowd 
Um, you know, there, there's an acknowledgement of disagreeing with people, but it's like a quiet disagreement. And so th- therefore there's an, ex- like, it's, it's basically like you need to outwardly accept everything that I do, even if inwardly you're cringing at it type of thing. I see. Yeah. You know what okay, I mean? So you, you can hate my sin if you keep it to yourself, but yeah. you have to celebrate it. Exactly. Right? That, yeah. That's how you love me. Yeah. yeah okay. I, I, I could feel that. Yeah. Yeah. Keep, you just keep that zipped up and then eventually we'll make that a time too, to, to hate it in your mind. Right. Uh, right. <laughs> It's baby steps, though. That's man. right. That's baby right. First, we got to get the mind readers into the people's heads, and then we'll it's be able coming, to do that. Man. It's coming. You see this? Uh, <laughs> every time they're like, hooray, with very thoughts, uh, paraplegics will be able to control this robot arm. I'm like, that is awesome, but also horrifying. Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> then what's that robot arm going to do when it starts thinking for itself? Oh, that's not what I'm worried about. I'm worried about the device that reads the, oh, parap- that reads the, the yeah. quadriplegic's mind, you know, what, yeah. getting more powerful and working from <laughs> six feet away uh, or whatever. As, as you walk into the scanner at the airport, they're right. not just going to scan your body, but they're going to be like, let's check for thoughts that we're not comfortable with. Yeah, yeah. Uh, mm. It's turning into Bill Burr's Monday morning podcast here where we are worried about uh, things that are not going to happen. Okay, <laughs> here, lightning round, man. Are you ready? All right, here we go. A pithy statement and a grade. Okay. Uh, let go and let God. Oh my gosh, um, dude, that that's like C minus, hard C minus. Yeah, and, and, and along with it comes Jesus take the wheel, which I have heard at least one person <laughs> try to tell me was in the Bible, and I was like, what wheel? Chariot wheel is what we're talking about. I give it a D. I don't like that one. I hate that one, actually. I give it a D minus. All right. Yeah. Um, it's not about religion. It's about relationship. Yeah, I, I'm going. I'm going with a hard D on that one. And that one is on the uh, like really crappy resolution uh, light up marquee sign on a church that we drive past on the way to our church. Mm-hmm. And uh, my son always says. Says it like this. He reads, "It's not about religion. It's about relationships." <laughs> cracks me up every time. That's fantastic. <laughs> How about the phrase "Christ follower" with a hyphen, often seen as someone's religion on their social media profile instead of, say, Christian? Yeah, I. Uh, that one doesn't bother me as much because I don't know that I have any Christ followers on my Facebook profile in that regard. I feel like Uh, it was bigger like five or ten years ago. Yeah, you know, I feel like some of these, like you said, there's there's a certain amount of trendiness to them um, where people, you know, kind of move away and say these things and it's then that thing gets overused and it's like, oh, well, we can't say that anymore because too many people are using it. We got to come up with a new thing, a new identity, um, you know. So, yeah, I I don't know that I know anyone like that. But if I do, I will be sure to mock them mercilessly. Oh, man. Wow. <laughs> no, uh, not that bad. I, I don't know. I don't know how bad it is. I, I've, I've heard one person try to tell me that was instead of transliterating the word Christianos from the Greek, which is what the, the Christians were first called that mm-hmm. there in, in uh, Antioch, that they were trying to translate that word. It means uh, one who follows Christ, um, or they were trying to kind of get more into the space of the way or followers of the way or something. Mm-hmm. I, I just, just to me, it smacks of this sort of well. There's this group of, called Christians, but I'm in a better, you know, like subsect, a more elite group, and we're Christ followers, and we're really doing it. And I don't know, I, I, don't, yeah. I don't get it, the point of that. To me, like it embodies like the hipster thing. Like I just, I feel like that's a hipster term. I don't know okay. why. <laughs> well, if, in that case, we should be mocking mercilessly <laughs> because that's what that's what hipsters are for. <laughs> How about this one? This is an oldie but a goodie from the 80s, and it's still out there today. The comfort zone. Oh. Get out of your comfort zone, man. Oh. I I hated that one back when I was growing up, and I still hate it today. <laughs> like, like, the assumption is often, like, I, I would be horribly uncomfortable to speak in front of a crowd. All right, you better do it. Right. You show God that you love him because he didn't gift you for it, so he wants you to do it. What? Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, and the other thing is like, uh, you know, I feel like in, in you can push back a little bit on this one if you want, Zach. But the the idea of like, you know, oh, you need to walk down the aisle to actually be saved and receive Christ, you know, because that's going to push you out of your comfort zone, and that's how you'll know your conversion was real and genuine. Like I've oftentimes heard it associated with that kind of aisle walk. Okay. Now, um, now I have a couple aisle walk ones coming up. Okay. Uh, I'm going to put a pin in that. Okay. All right. I think. Two things on comfort zone. I give it a C minus. I think the problem with it is a the Holy Spirit's called the Comforter. Right. God is the God of all comfort, uh, and so we don't want to def- necessarily always get out of that. Uh, and and B, um, it just it tends to be too dichotomous. Like either you're sinning or you're uncomfortable. Like God just wants you to always be uncomfortable. Although I have heard it. I mean, there is a tendency I think to just. I could go talk to that person about Jesus, or I could just sit here and keep drinking my latte, and choosing comfort over obedience right. is sinful. Right. Um, it was sinful all, back during you know the exile when everyone got super comfortable, and uh, you know so so uh, Andy Minio had a whole album kind of about this. So when yeah. it becomes an idol, yeah, maybe there's some something to be said. I just I. I don't know. The zone part of it is something yeah. is corny about it. You know? I don't know. I'm feeling a Kenny Loggins song coming on here. Highway to the Comfort Zone. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Comfort Zone. <laughs> Get that guitar riff going on there. Uh, we don't. We can't afford that, man. Uh, <laughs> how about uh, along those lines then? Uh, I'll skip creating a space or creating a sacred space because I don't hear that much anymore. I used to rub shoulders with a lot more uh, main, mainline liberals than I do today, so I, I don't hear much of that. Yeah. Um, decision for Christ. Yeah. This one's the holy grail of Phineism, oh my... and without it, you are still unregenerate. Yeah, yeah. And it's I... nowhere ever, even once, in all of Scripture. Yeah, yeah. Well, again, I think you know there, there's that – I think a lot of that just comes from, you know, like you said, I'm making a decision for Christ. And, and there's less of an emphasis on God's choosing of us, you know. And so yeah. I think that's the whole play there is that's what you're getting into. You know, you're making a decision for, for Christ versus he's choosing you. He's electing you, you know, and and that's really what what you start getting into is that play there of how much do I actually contribute to my salvation? Well, none. So whatever decision I think I made is totally irrelevant. You know, I know that God chose me from before the beginning of time. Yeah, and my real beef with it is if, if it all rests on a decision I made, then I'm screwed. Because right. I've made so many decisions. Right. To do so many things, right. and I have dropped the ball on almost all of them. Right, right. And, and you know, people, it becomes synonymous with with being born again. Mm-hmm. And when you read in John, I mean, John is just full of this stuff of God, you know, making the decision. You right. Know, oh, yeah. John chapter fifteen. John, but but even from chapter one, he talks about those who uh, have received him and are given are given the right to become children of God who were born not of blood, mm. nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, yep. but of God. Not by a human decision at all, yep. but by divine election. And so that that one, what's, what's scary to me is we're willing to swap out the biblical language for the completely unbiblical language, even with the most important and central of all Yes. Topics. And that's scary. Or, or asking Jesus into your heart. Yeah. Um, where did that come from? I have done some research on it for, for years. I've looked at I, I can't I can't pin it down, yeah. but it doesn't seem to exist anywhere as a category before the very, very late 19th century. Right. And now I've I mean, I, I remember having I, I took aside a, a pastor um, that I helped to call to a church one time mm-hmm. after a, a sermon in which he said, now remember, at this point in time, Peter had asked Jesus into his heart. <laughs> I said, when did this happen? <laughs> I don't remember that ever happening. He said, well, you know what I mean. And I said, yeah, I do know what you mean. And and I believe I was saved as a little boy when, when I asked Jesus into my heart because I knew what it meant. Right. But why put that unnecessary kind of additional... You know, you need to translate this now. 
Right. There, there's a, an extra unnecessary wall between you and the truth that will set you free. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's like trying to have somebody explain something to you in Japanese and then it has to be translated. Why not just why not just tell me in the actual words of scripture, repent and believe. Right. Right. And, and, and people say, well, but we use this with children. Yeah, children are far less able to deal with these abstract principles. Right. Right. Their, their thinking's not there. They can deal with a concrete principle. Right. And so I tell them, believe is like when you sit on a chair and you trust it'll hold your weight. Repent is like you turn and I'll show you. I'm walking this way. I turn and walk this way. I walk away from my sins. And, and, and you can explain that. Right. But this ask Jesus into your heart thing. And, and you'll get it from Baptists who think that you know the the popes, the the Antichrist and all Catholics are going to hell because they've added a bunch of tradition to the Bible. Yeah. And I'm going, dude, you yeah. you are really giving them a run for their money. And what did you do to the Bible? <laughs> it's, it scares me. I, again, I'm not doubting anyone's salvation. With right. like I say, I, I I use the same language when praying a sinner's prayer, which is another one of these phrases that right. you don't find in Scripture. Well, going, going back to the asking Jesus in your heart, I think that comes from, again, a, a misunderstanding and a misrepresentation of, you know, Christ, you know, behold, I stand at the door and knock, um, you know, right. and people taking that and saying, well, if he's knocking at the door of your heart, then, you know, yeah. you've got to accept him into your heart. You know, I, but I, I genuinely context. think, right, but I genuinely think that's what they're doing is they're, they're taking that out of context and it's being put into you know, and you start removing it from from what it's supposed to be. So, right, yeah. In Revelation three twenty. Jesus is not talking to an unbeliever about their heart. He's right. talking to a church about their church. Right. For the record, right. I mean, I know you know that, but uh, in case right. anyone out there was unclear, yeah. Uh, it's it's very it's very scary to me how hardcore. Uh, Charles Grandison Finney's influence remains mm-hmm. in the American Evangelical Church. Uh, if I could expunge one thing, it would be that. <laughs> I feel like that would be the one thing that would have the broadest ripple effect to, down to everything from uh, from racism in the church mm-hmm. to sexual abuse. I, I, I really don't think you can overstate mm-hmm. the kinds of things that when we put everything in the the sinners bound to change their own hearts basket, yeah, we are going to we're setting ourselves up to become a a basket that is clean on the outside and filthy inside, and we got to hide the filth on the inside. It's it's not a good th- that is it, it, that's not even an F. That is like a Z. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to say that is uh, life in prison without the possibility of parole. Once, once you start, and I don't, again, I don't mean using the phrase "ask Jesus into your heart." Right. I mean when people start um, defending these things because right. they what they want, what they, they they recognize the origin of it, which is to put all of this in the hands of men yeah. to make a decision in the hands of ministers to use the appropriate means. Yes. To have, uh, you know, uh, P.T. Barnum make the tents so I can bring in sucker every minute and two to take them. And we can we can just tell these people what they need to hear so that they will, you know, drop them in the, the machine. They'll come out the other end committed yeah. Christians who've made a decision. Yeah. And, man, that's gotten us nowhere. That's gotten, yeah. us, oh, that's yeah. gotten us here. What's it, what it's done is it's gotten us here. And right. this is where we want to be. Yeah. Yeah. J.P. Moreland, um, he... He does a great job. I don't know if you're familiar with him or not. Oh, yeah. He used uh, to come and uh, speak at our seminary every year. Oh, cool. Um, he um, wrote uh, Love Your God With All Your uh, Mind. And it was really it was a really cool book. And, and he lays the blame on the state of the church where it should be, on the church. You know, the, the fact that, you know, believers weren't stepping up intellectually to, you know, enter arenas of thought and to really you know, pursue change in all vocations of life. And you had this kind of movement going on, um, you know, these, these tent revival movements that really left no lasting impactful changes, you know, so people talk about the great revivals and things like that. But the problem is when these revivals came around, there was just, there was nothing that could substantiate a lot of them. And, and they just, they, they went to the wayside, you know, and, 
Um, it's it's really sad that instead of coming back and fortifying, you know, what was going on, it just it, it was what it was. That kind of spectacle. Dude, I have ju- I've got one more before I would flip the paper over. I want to suggest we uh, we do a part two on on this topic. Okay, I'm down um, with that. It sounds like a good spot to end too, because we kind of slowly board our way into the heart of <laughs> the issue. Yes, um, which is uh, you know we, I asked you, Nathan, into the into the heart of the issue. Did um and. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> It, uh, it, it's it's like the kind of thing these these phrases where I, I don't want to fall into the category of you know the no creed but Christ the Bible is my creed right we can't add anything um, to the way we talk we can't right. do anything to contextualize we can't you know we can't build up a, a, an additional vocabulary of faith that's right. silly right uh, and, and you can't even do theology if you're not going to allow yourself to have additional terms right well um, let's be real i mean nowhere in scripture is the word trinity found yeah exactly but, perfect point but we um, use but we it, to, it right right we need it to describe this concept of the godhood you know the father son and holy spirit um and, and so and yeah I, I think the thing is twofold there you hit the nail on the head when we need it yeah so the question is do we need all these things or i mean do we need uh ask jesus into your heart or mm-hmm. um invite Jesus into your life, or do we not need those because we already have better terms? And uh, the the word Trinity, mm-hmm. and as it's always fleshed out in an orthodox setting, mm-hmm. it, it, it accurately describes what the scriptures say about the Godhead. Yes. So the, the two questions become, is it, you know, it's like if you're going to say something to someone, is it needful, is it kind, is it true, or whatever. Right. Uh, if we're going to adopt new phraseology you know like what would jesus do or whatever into our into our vocabulary as christians yeah is it is there a need for it and is it accurate might be two the two most important questions to to ask is this is this true and and is there really a niche here and a a vacuum yeah where we need to put something or do we already have all the tools we need and we're just trying to uh be cute yeah yeah Yep, exactly. No, and I, and I think that's a good point because, you know, the fact is where, wherever you fall, um, you know, I, I think I think of my friends who um, are believers and they are not um, reformed in, the, in, in their the, – the total sovereignty of God in their theology and things like that, which is, you know, a whole other issue. But, but it does – it does affect the way they, they evangelize to people uh, because you do get that terminology asking Christ in your heart. And I'm often like, okay, well, what's wrong with using the words that Christ said? Like we could debate the, the issue separately, but what's wrong with just saying believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved? Yeah, you really you have a better way to put this than Jesus and right. the apostles. Right. <laughs> they, they couldn't come up with the thing that you came up with. Right. Yours is clearer. <laughs> yeah, that's that's silly. Yeah, and so you know, I think I think even on these points where we we see that there is there's division and that you know we we don't agree on the theological points that if we go back to scripture and we just say, well, why don't why don't we just use the terminology? You know, because because it's clear and concise. You're pointing someone to Christ, which is what and the gospel God's is. Breathed, yeah. Right? So, which is another thing that our stuff isn't. Yeah. I, I, have you ever heard that really famous clip from uh, uh, Paul Washer about asking Jesus into your heart? It sounds familiar, but I can't remember. Oh, dude, it's just it's it's freaking it's brutal. I think it's the thing that made him famous. Okay. Um, it's it's brutal, and it's it's basically like we're we're approaching all this stuff from the opposite direction of what we should yeah um keith green also uh, used to rail against that that terminology um and he he had written some articles in his little newsletter and and kind of summing up some of his his screeds at his concerts about okay. this and i often incorrect uh, theologically but here's some uh, instance i think he he hit the nail on the head um that we're it's it's like searching for something that that's already found you know yeah. it, it if only I could find the right way to talk about salvation, right. where will I find it? Yeah. Um, here's a big leather book you can read. Man. Genesis to Revelation, it's filled with it. 
And, and when you get into the book of Acts, which I'm preaching through now, I have been for six months plus, mm-hmm. and, and you keep on hearing these people coming in the thousands, in the hundreds, or one at a time, two at a time, to yeah. the faith. Yeah. And they're responding to these these presentations of the gospel. Yeah. And we want to see this kind of thing in our time. We pray for revival. Right. Wouldn't you think maybe we ought to try and do what they did, which is right. to use the categories that they use? Right. Out of all the things we try to put formulas into in, in church ministry and growing churches and things like that, you would think we would use the original blueprint. Problem is nobody at this point can like patent or copyright that and sell you the kit. Right. So it's, there's no money in it. Yeah. Oh, it's free to download. Darn it. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! All right, I'm starting to sound like a, an old grumpy man. Let's let's sign this off so I can uh, I can start the world's longest fire in our fireplace. <laughs> All right, dude, it has been great connecting back together. I think this was an awesome topic for us to jump back into. We you will. Know what? We don't need Greg. The- <laughs> we don't need him. We want him, but we don't need him. We passed Greg into our podcast, and he's said no. <laughs> Scratch that. We've asked Greg into his podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Greg's become so big he can't come back to do his own podcast. (laughs) And we don't mean physically. We mean like his his, his great name. (laughs) Oh, man. Dude, all right. Well, we're going to go ahead and sign off now. Zach, we just rocked the Casbah. These go to 11.